From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. And I think there is somebody out there that's like me, and I was feeling in my spirit this morning as we were worshiping that there's somebody who needs some prayer. So if you're, if you're that person, if you're listening today, you're tuning in, and you're like, listen, I need some prayer. I'm not doing well in this time. If that's you, could you just like open up your hands and we're, I just want to pray for you. And even in this room, if you're in this room and you're like, I'm just, I'm done with this. Can we just pray? Can we just pray that God would strengthen us in our weariness? The Bible says that, that we can come to him if we are weary and he will give us rest. So just wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Let's pray for the service and let's pray that God will give you some strength today. Lord, we just thank you that we can gather um, online in the, in the room and we can meet in your presence. Lord, I know that you're here. I know that you're with us and I know that you're with the people, God, that are tuning in online right now, God. But this is not ideal. Lord, this, this time, this season is not what we want. And sometimes we have to live in, in seasons and in, in a way of life that, w- that we don't like. And, but it, grow, it makes us grow tired and, and it causes us to grow weary. Lord, there's many of us, God, that are, that are not doing well. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus right now, if that is somebody tuning in today, would you strengthen them? Would you speak to their heart to let them know that you've heard their cry, that you've heard their prayers, and that right now, Lord, you are strengthening their spirit, their mind, their body, God. I pray that they'd get rest in your presence. Lord, not rest in a bed, not rest in a conversation, even though those are all good things in, in friendship, but rest in your presence presence, Lord. There's something about your presence, and we're going to talk about that today, that just is powerful and meaningful. So this morning, whoever's tuning in, God, and needs strengthening, would you strengthen? God, we bless you as we turn to your word this morning. As we, as we look to it, we pray in the name of Jesus, you open our hearts to what you want to do and what you want to say in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just before we get into uh, the message, I have a couple opportunities that um, maybe um, a couple announcements that maybe you'll, you'll be excited to hear about. Opportunities for you to gather together. Uh, every Wednesday night, every Wednesday night uh, from 6.30 to 7.30, we meet in this building for, for prayer. And last week, Pastor Mitch led us in a couple songs of worship, and it's a powerful um, hour of the week. In fact, I think it's probably one of the most powerful things that we do each week. So if you're longing to, to get together, if you're longing and hungry for the presence of God, or just what, what having Sunday morning atmosphere did for your spirit, come out on a Wednesday night, message me, message us, just say, say hey, I'm coming, so we can put your name down just for contact uh, tracing, um, and, we can, and we can have an hour where we can just p- pursue the presence of God. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says this, God says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, he says, then I will hear from heaven. Right? We, need to, we need to come together and we need to seek his face. So even if you're late, come and you're late. Even if you can only come for 15 minutes, come for only 15 minutes, but just come so we can be together. Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30 um, p.m. So it is, second thing is it is official that we are going to have another outdoor service on September 20th. I believe that's a couple weeks from now. September 20th, we are planning on having another outdoor service. So if you missed it last week, this is your opportunity to be a part of that gathering once again. We wanted to squeeze another one in just before it got too cold. It is weather permitting, so hopefully the weather's clear for us so you can be, begin to pray for that. Um, and you're going to have to RSVP online through our website. It's not on there yet, just so you 
know if you're trying to go there. It's not on there yet, but it will be up this week. You just got to go to weareparkway.com, and it's right on the main page. But September 20th, we can only have a certain amount of people. So once we hit that limit, we're capped off. But I'm just excited. I'm excited about getting together, September 20th. And then finally, I'm super excited about this one as well. We are getting ready to launch the Life Group starting point this month. Starting Point is an eight-week group that really helps to shape um, a foundation in faith. So this is for people who have questions about faith. Maybe they're just, they're just starting to discover what it means to follow God. Maybe this is people who are new in the relationship with God, new to faith, new to church. Uh, this is for those who have some church experience and maybe have been away for a while. You're just kind of coming back. So if you feel like this is something that you want to be a part of, it's only eight weeks. It's starting at the end of this month, September 23rd on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. So if you want to be a part of that, all you got to do is go to weareparkway.com slash starting point, or if you're navigating our website, if you go into the Connect tab and you find Life Groups, um, you can sign up for it there. But I, but I promise you this is going to be a good opportunity not only to come together, but just kind of help you create a foundation for faith and your faith journey moving forward. So that is on September 23rd. And I also heard this morning that the NFL uh, Football Life Group is going to be beginning again as well, happening next Sunday. Um, so you can contact us for more details. That's not up on our website yet because we kind of just made that decision today. Um, but that's, that's exciting. Lots of stuff, lots of good stuff happening. Um, I want to let you know before we really get into the message, we've been praying um, extensively for Judy Stewart, Terry Neely's uh, mother. Well, on Thursday, she finally um, uh, passed away and opened her eyes to be with Jesus. And we've been praying long and hard, and we were hoping and praying for a miracle, but God chose to bring her home. So we just need to, we need to lift up Terry Neely and her family in prayer, not only this week, but just in the weeks to come. Because as much as, it, as heaven is, is excited that they, they brought another saint home, um, you know, it's sad for us here on this side of life. So just uh, reach out to them, reach out to Terry, and uh, begin to pray um, for their family at this time. I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter uh, 5. If you have a Bible, we're going to begin in verse 21. Um, I want to encourage you today. I felt like last week was a little bit of a stronger message. Um, but today I hope, I hope to encourage someone. Um, we're going back into our series in, in the Gospel of Mark. Mark was written by John Mark. John Mark was a disciple of Peter, and what he did is he took um, uh, Peter's eyewitness accounts and he formulated them into this, into this narrative. And what we're doing is we're just going through the stories. I don't want to say necessarily chronologically, um, but we're kind of going through the book and we're just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and see what's there for us. When you read the scriptures prayerfully, God will allow something to jump out of you. And what I mean by that is before you open up the Bible is you actually take a moment and you just pray and you ask God to speak to you. He will allow something to jump out at you. It was, it's as if something was written just for you. It's like he highlights a certain word or a certain phrase, and it's just there for you. And that's kind of what we're doing today is we're just allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us corporately as we go through uh, the Gospel of Mark. So let's pray one more time. Let's open our hearts. Let's begin prayerfully looking at his word and open our minds just to what the Spirit of God wants to say. So, Father, we commit our minds, we commit our hearts, we commit our spirits just to the word today. And we ask that you would speak to us as we look through the story you have for us today. God, I know that I can be facing something, someone else is facing something else, but you can speak to us individually, God, through one word. And so I pray 
in the name of Jesus, would you speak and would you highlight your word for somebody this morning? We love you, God, and we bless you and pray that you're honored by our listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anything too dead, too late, or too far gone that God cannot restore? It's just done, it's ended, it's too late, they're too far gone. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a dream, maybe it's an unsaved loved one, um, is, is it, maybe it's a hope. Look at somebody this morning, and even in this room, maybe you can like look from afar. Maybe you've got a child next to you, your spouse next to you, maybe on the chat. Just, just type in, it's too late. It's too late. Is anything too far gone that God cannot restore. Now I want you to turn to that person again or write in the chats, it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, I think, I think all of us would answer that question relatively the same, but in reality, we live it differently. I think all of us answer that question when I say, is it too far gone, too late, is anything beyond the reach of God to restore or bring life to, we would probably all answer that fairly similarly, but in reality is we live it differently. We say, of course not, but when it comes down to it, we don't live like that because we're limited. We're limited by our senses, right? We're limited by what we can see. We're limited by our knowledge, right? But what we know, we're limited by our sense of physical reality, we're limited by our understanding of time. And, and the combination of these limitations makes us see a situation and relate to it differently than God sees it and relates to it. So that's what we're going to look at today, Mark chapter 5. Let's read the story, starting in verse 21. It says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I love that. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. It says he pleaded earnestly with him. Have you ever pleaded earnestly with God? It says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Please put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. How many of us are there? Or we've been there? Where we find ourselves in a time or we're in a situation where we just, we just need God to come in and miraculously intervene. Jairus was a, was a Jewish synagogue leader. Uh, synagogue leaders were those laymen who were responsible for maintaining the, the synagogue and, and scheduling its service, services. He's likely a, respe- a respectable man. Can I, just, can I just take a side note and say, we need, we need more lay people in the church. We got an, I just want to say we got an entire family, basically, that serves on our tech team, that if, if they don't show up one Sunday, if they go on vacation, we don't have church. Just so you know, if they go on holidays, I'm, I'm saying it, I'm letting them know, if they go on holidays, we don't have church, because how church is run right now is basically run by them. So here's what we need. If you're like, I still want to serve, I still want to be a part of this church, I'm still part of the dream team, I kind of have a little bit of know-how about technology, because I live in 2020, and you're like, I can help, come and we'll train you, we'll show you how to do some stuff. Not only would it give this family a break, but if they ever disappeared, we could still have Parkway Church. That's a side note. So Jairus is a synagogue leader. He's a layman responsible for the synagogue. 
And he obviously knew who Jesus was. He heard the stories of Jesus. And here he comes in an incredible display of humility and desperation, recognizing that Jesus is more than a mere man and Jesus is capable of doing more. And so he cries out and he says, come, put your hands on my daughter so that she will be healed and live. And here's what the scripture says in verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him. So Jesus went with him. How does Jesus respond to the true cries and true desperation of someone who comes to him like this? It says that he went with him. You know, every so often in the middle of the night when I am, me and my wife are, are in peace, blissfully asleep in our, the comfort of our nice bed, we're awoken by the, by the screams of, of our name being yelled by a little boy, Daddy, Daddy, or Mommy, Mommy. It depends on you know what they're feeling in the moment, I guess. And and what we do is, is, as the loving parents we are, is we get out of our bed because they're so terrified, they're immobilized, they're not leaving, and and we go to their room and we comfort them. Now I imagine because usually when Jody goes, I'm still sleeping. I imagine she's a lot better at this than I am. Because usually I'm half asleep when I go. And I stumble into the room and I don't even really know what's going on. And here is this little boy describing to me this terrible dream that he probably had. And I'm kind of like half listening where I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah, dragon, dragon. Oh, yeah, dragon. Ghost. Oh, there's no ghost. Just go back, go back, go back to sleep. Go back. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. And the good news is, is they're older now. And so I can, I can. I can basically, and Jody can just basically say, hey, it was just a dream, go back to sleep, and they turn over and they go back to sleep. But I remember this one time when Eli was really young. He just turned seven. I can't believe he's seven years old now, but he was really young. He must have been about two, two and a half years old, and it's definitely around that time because before two, I didn't exist to him. Everything was mommy. And, and it was the middle of the night, and I heard him scream like I'd never heard him scream before. I heard him scream as if an axe murderer broke into our house and had grabbed a hold of him. It was just screaming at the top of his lungs for a two-and-a-half-year-old child. So I run into his room, and he's desperately trying to get out of his crib, desperately trying to reach out to me. So I grab a hold of him. I reach down. As I grab a hold of him, he's, he's a two-and-a-half-year-old grabbing onto my arms and pulling himself up. He's so terrified. I can remember the desperation. And so I pick him up, and I hold him tight. He obviously had some sort of nightmare, and I just say, it's okay, daddy's here. It's okay, daddy's here. It's okay, daddy's here. Daddy's here. And my presence brought comfort to that moment. I didn't turn on the light. I didn't open the closet and say there's nothing there. You know, I didn't do anything like that. I didn't change the situation. I didn't explain to him. He's two and a half. What can I explain to a two and a half year old? I didn't explain to him what's going on, but my presence with him brought him peace you know, the first thing I noticed when reading this story is it doesn't say that Jesus went to heal the girl. And we know that's true if you've read the story. We can assume based on what Jesus has done in the past, we know that he's going to, to, to heal. But what it tells us, it says that Jesus went with him. You know, somewhere in our theological understanding of who God is, we've forgotten the theology of his presence. We've, we've forgotten about the presence of God, but it's the presence of God that is powerful. It's the presence of God that changes things. It's the presence of God that gives us confidence by his name. You don't need to come up yet. You're not, you're, we got time for you. It's the presence of God that brings assurance. It's the presence of God that changes a situation. 
The Bible gives Jesus the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with us. The presence of God in our lives is a powerful thing when we recognize it for what it is. The presence of God. The presence of God, which I believe is why the pursuit of his presence should be something that we're hungry for. The presence, this is not the presence of anybody, but the presence of the Almighty. You know, I think, I think sometimes if we're not hungry for God's presence through the Spirit of God, then we've lost something about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because being a follower of Jesus means to be in the presence of God because his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now listen, I know we're doing church online, and I know it's different, but I don't know if you're like me. I have a hard time engaging into the presence of God through worship when I'm sitting on the comfort of my couch. Like my couch, my chairs at home, they don't put me in a posture, an attitude that's, pursuit on, that's pursuing the presence of God. It, it puts me to sleep. I I relax on my couch, and my body relaxes, and I start to get all comfortable, and I get sleepy, and eventually I doze doze off. You know, I find sometimes right now we're too comfortable. And even more so now, we need to be proactive in what it means to engage in God's presence. Because if you've got a young family, you've got little kids running around, it's hard to engage in God's presence on a Sunday morning while you're you're tuning into worship service, and they're running around screaming. It's hard for anybody just when you're, you're alone in your home where you relax to engage in the presence of God. We need to be intentional. We need to be proactive because if the presence of God is what it is, the presence of God, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Jesus went with him, the scripture says. It may feel like you're walking your road alone, especially right now. It may feel like you're doing this all by yourself, but if you truly recognize and pursue Jesus, he goes with you, the Bible says. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. He is with you. And if God is with us, what can we face that could possibly overwhelm us? And sometimes that makes me think that in those moments when we do feel a sense of of overwhelm based on our circumstance and our situation, have we actually truly engaged our faith and paused and engaged in the presence of God that is with us in that moment? The Bible says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in our body. Have we truly engaged and been intentional about, about recognizing the Spirit of God in us in those moments? Because if we did, we would have peace and we would have comfort and we would have God walking with us in those situations. His presence brings peace to a situation. There's confidence and a strength that comes with knowing and recognizing that God is with you. And I think you would all would say you know that, but how many of us live that? You know, I don't know why your childhood was like, but um, I faced a lot of bullies growing up. And I remember going to school at times terrified. Because I knew what the day would bring. I knew who I'd face. I knew where I'd face them. And I knew that I could do nothing to escape it. And at times, it was immobilizing for me. But there were certain times where I'd have a friend with me. And when somebody was with me, it brought a confidence to that moment that I didn't have when that person wasn't with me. Knowing someone was with me, I had a strength to face what I had to face. The friend didn't take away the bully. The friend didn't change the situation. But just knowing they were there brought me peace. What gave David courage to stand before Goliath when an entire army was terrified? He recognized that God was with him. Did you know it was was God's people, the Israelites, his people, he was with them, that they were terrified because they failed to recognize the presence of God. 
but David didn't. What gave Shadrach, Meshach, and their buddy Benny in Daniel chapter 3 courage to face the fiery furnace? Courage to stand up before an authority, a government system that said you must bow down and worship this idol. And they said that ain't happening. What gave them the strength to not only say no, but to, but to face death? They knew God was with them. After Moses and the Israelite people were led out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they were camping at Mount Sinai where, you know, where God had given the Ten Commandments and the law, we call the Mosaic Law, the laws of Moses, the Old Testament law. You know, after they're about to pick up and leave from that, that spot, Moses says this in Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. He says, you've been telling me, he's talking to God, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. And then God replies this, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. If you've given your life to Jesus, he's in your corner. He's the coach in your corner. If you've given your life to Jesus, he stands with you. When you're in the fire, he's in the fire. When you're walking on the stormy water, he's walking on the water. When you're in the lion's den, he's there. What you need to do, the difference is you need to recognize it. It says that Jesus went with him. Continues on, it says, Then a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Type down 12 years, 12 years, not 12 months, not 12 weeks, not 12 hours, 12 years she was subject to this ailment. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, I love that, I love in the scriptures, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now that's faith. That's faith. If I could just touch him, if I could just get near enough to his presence and touch him, she thought. Talk about the power of spiritual thinking. So here's someone who's been dealing um, with something for years. And she's, the Bible says, has exhausted every measure possible to help her get better. She spent all her money only to make her worse. She's got nothing left but Jesus. She's got nothing left but Jesus. You know, I wish, and this is a hard thing to wish for, I wish some of us would get to that place where we have nothing left because maybe just then we would put our faith into practice we say we have faith but we haven't been in positions where we need our faith so this woman heard what jesus could do and she pushed through the crowd if i could just touch him listen to this she doesn't say if he could just touch me she doesn't say if he could just lay his hands on me i would be healed it says if i can just touch his clothes this is the opposite, opposite of Jairus. This is the opposite. Jairus is, come with me and put your hands on my daughter and she'll be healed. This woman's saying, if I can touch him, I'll be healed. There's a, there's a difference in perspective here. There is, a, there is a different measure of faith. See, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't heal everybody. He didn't heal everybody. There were people probably just waiting for him to touch him, like in the crowds, just waiting for him to notice them, to, for him to put their, his hands on them to heal them. But this woman says, if I can just get to you, if I can get to him, you know, you want the presence of God to change your life? You want the presence of God to change your circumstance? You want the power of God to come upon your life? 
Then take on the mindset of this woman who says, if I can just get to where he is. If I can just get close enough to touch him. Not, if I could just get close enough, maybe he'll touch me. If I can just get near him, maybe he'll touch me. But if I can get near to him, and I can touch him. You know what the Bible says in James chapter 4? It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. It doesn't say, God will come near to you, and then you can come near to him. But we know that's true. The scriptures say that, that we love him because he first loved us. He's already come. He's already come. Now it's our turn to enact faith and say, okay, now I'm going to get as close as I possibly can to your presence and reach out. Because if I could just touch you, your presence would come upon my life and radically shift my circumstance. Do you know I think the problem with the church today, not just Parkway Church, but the church and why we lack power, is because we are unwilling to reach out our hand and touch him. We're unwilling to reach out our hand and touch him. We'll go to church, we'll watch church, we'll tithe, we'll be a part of church, but do we actually engage in the presence of God? Like, this is not just the presence of anything. Like, some of us get more excited about a celebrity. Some of us get more excited about the NFL starting back up or NBA. Some of us get more excited about the Raptors. Don't get me wrong, I love that. But do we get excited about the fact that we have access to an almighty God whenever we want, wherever we want? You don't need to be in this building. You can do it right now if I could just reach out and touch him. But too many of us sit down and we wait for him to touch us. Man. When was the last time you intentionally opened your Bible? Like you didn't, you didn't hear the pastor tell you to open your Bible, the youth pastor to tell you to open your Bible. You didn't hear, you weren't part of a life group or a, a, you know, a study, then they said, okay, turn to this. When was the last time you just intentionally opened your Bible because you wanted to meet with God? When was the last time you got down and prayed? Like actually, not grace over your meal, not because you're in a gathering with people, but you like just got down to pray. When was the last time you went to a prayer meeting? Did he just go there? I think he did. Was that for me? I don't know. If you think it's for you, it probably was for you. When was the last time you turned off your phone and you pushed aside every distraction, the TV, and you de- desperately pursued Jesus in prayer? I bet for many of us it's been a while. And we call ourselves followers of Jesus. I bet for many of us, it was back when we were in youth group. You know, I remember being a part of my old church. I haven't had this here, but I bet, I bet it's true. Being a part of my old church, how many adults came to me when I was the youth pastor and said, man, I just, I, 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 remember, I remember those days when I was in youth ministry. I long for those days where we just, we gathered in God's presence. And I was like dumbfounded. I'm like, you can do this anytime, anywhere. You can have this. If I could just touch him. Now quickly, here's something you need to know about this woman. Having this bleeding issue, this hemorrhaging issue, um, she would have likely been considered unclean by the Jewish law. Which meant that in a society that already treated women as inferior, she would have been treated as an outcast. Because if you came close to someone and you touched someone that was unclean, you became unclean. And that meant you had to go through this process to make yourself clean again. And not only would, so not only would an unclean person like this woman be segregated from society because nobody wanted to come near her, so she would have been, she would have been um, um, not part of the fellowship, not part of community. Talk about lockdown and isolation, right? Not only that, but you were excluded from the worship gathering. You were excluded from going to the temple to worship. 
So not only are people not coming near you, but you're not able to get together with the body of Christ to worship. So this woman for 12 years has had nothing, and all of her attempts to get better have failed. But Jesus, she heard about him, and get this, knowing that she was an outcast in that society, knowing that people wouldn't come near her, she was willing to get to Jesus by pushing through the crowd and do whatever she did, had to do, regardless of what people thought in order to get to him. It says this in verse 29, it says, immediately when she touched him, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, I love this, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. You know, I want, I want Jesus to feel power go out of him when I go into his presence. Like, I want to get into prayer in such a way that God knows, here he is, I'm going to feel this one. Like, how, how cool is that? Jesus felt the power come out of him when this woman just reached out and touched him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And this is where the disciples get a little snarky. Says, I don't even know what snarky means, but they get snarky. Says, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. See, there's a difference. Everybody in the crowd was rubbing up against Jesus. Everybody was wanted a part of Jesus. But what this woman did was different. See, there's a difference when you come to the gathering of people in the body of Christ. There's a difference when you come to church, when you, when you watch online. There's a difference between just tuning in and watching, getting near to God, and actually reaching out and touching him. That's why many people will go through the relationship with God or a relationship with God, we'll call it for whatever it is, and not actually experience the full depth of his power and his presence. Yet you ask who touched me, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. See, Jesus knew this one was different. He knew, he knew this one's different. How this person touched me is different. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, what? He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. He doesn't treat her like that. the society does. He doesn't say unclean woman. He calls her daughter. He says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know, I wonder if this woman in her 12 years ever thought it was too late. Nothing else can be done. I wonder if she had a moment where she thought, I'm too far gone. Everybody's tried everything. This is my life. But look at somebody and say, it's never too late. It's never too late. You know, our vision here at Parkway Church is for everyone to experience Jesus in a life-changing way. Part of our mission is for people to know God and to find freedom. We believe so much so in the presence of Jesus that you can be freed from suffering. So to what extent would you go to, to have Jesus' power move through your life? Would you risk ridicule like this woman risked? Would you risk being labeled? See, faith releases the power of God through the presence of God. It was her faith that healed her. Faith moves the hand of God when we put it into practice. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. He loves faith. You know God loves faith? He loves absolute trust in his being. If I could just touch him, is anybody there? Is anybody at the place where like, man, if I could just touch him, I think if that were the case, our prayer meetings would look different. I think if that was the case, this community would look different. If we actually got to the place where we had that kind of faith that says, if I could just get close enough, because I heard what he can do. 
Everybody was touching him, but how this woman touched him was different. Now, what does Jairus think in all this, right? Because he's still there in the story. He's still here in the story. His daughter is dying, and Jesus is stopping along the way because of this situation. He needs Jesus right now. He doesn't have time for this stop, but Jesus is stopping to help somebody else. You know, every time I drove my, my wife while she was in labor to the hospital, there was a really inconvenient person driving in front of me, a red light or a stop sign, and part of me was just like, I don't need this right now. I don't need this right now. I need to get her to the hospital because there is a baby coming. Jairus is thinking, I don't need this right now. I don't, I don't yes, important, great, but my daughter is dying, and I can imagine what he's thinking is her life is on the line, but can I just say that God is not limited by what we are limited by? Jairus's need was bound by the end of his daughter's life. That means that once his daughter died, that was it in his mind. So he was on a time crunch. But Jesus was about to show the people something. And Mark is trying to illustrate something about Jesus. That his power extends beyond the laws of nature. That he has power over life and death itself. Remember, Mark is progressively trying to lead and reveal who Jesus is. So what Jairus sees as an end is not what Jesus sees as an end. What he sees as the end, and he's on a time crunch, I need you to come now, is not what Jesus sees as the end. Just because you see an end doesn't mean it's ended. Just because you think it's over too late or too far gone doesn't mean that it's over too late or too far gone. Just because you see the relationship as dead, you see it's too late for that dream or all hope is lost, doesn't mean that God can't restore that relationship, revive that dream, or restore your hope. Jairus can't see what Jesus sees, and we can't see what God sees. There's something, now there's something else worth mentioning here, right? Is, is sometimes the situation, the situation we face and we're in need of a miracle for provides the Lord an opportunity to work in somebody else's life, right? When you have that loved one in the hospital bed, when you're laid off from that job, when you find yourself stuck between a rock and a hard place, when you're in need of healing, but it doesn't seem like God's hearing your prayers. When you need a way out, but you feel like that way out hasn't come. Jesus delays and he pauses along the way because along the way to Jairus' daughter, he gets a, an opportunity to intervene in someone else's life. Because Jesus was going to see Jairus' daughter, this woman had an encounter with Jesus that radically changed her life. Twelve years she was suffering. 12 years. What if God's delaying, pausing along the way because he's, is because he's doing something in someone else's life? Maybe it has less to do with he can't hear your prayers or he's not willing to respond and he's just saying, don't worry, I see what you can't see, but I'm doing something in someone else's life along the way. What me pausing and delaying as I'm going here is actually allowing me the opportunity to save that person, to heal that person, to plant a seed in that person, to work in that person's situation. While we're praying that God works in our lives and gives us a miracle, he uses our hardship to reach, touch, and save someone else. Jairus didn't see this, but Jesus knew this. So it says this in verse 35, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and says, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? It's too late, she's dead. Don't bother Jesus. It's too late. It says in verse 38 that the people were crying and wailing loudly. 
God, the relationship is over. It's done. Our marriage has ended. The doctors say we can't do anything. We've tried everything. There's no way through this obstacle. See, the people believed, Jairus believed, that Jesus could heal. They believed that Jesus was capable of working miracles of nature, but they didn't know that he could revive life. They didn't know that he could restore what was dead. They put their, listen to this, they put their limitations on him. And we do that. We limit what God can do in our lives because we project our limitations on a limitless God. How do we do that? First of all, our faith is actually too small. And our faith says this situation is too big for God. We have a small understanding of who God is. See, your problem is not the problem. Your situation is not the problem. God's ability is not the problem. Your understanding of what God can do is the problem. You know, a lot of us believe that God can help as long as there's some sign of hope left. And so in our hope, we pray. But once all life is gone, there's no need to call on him anymore. And we say that even God can't restore this. Many people trust God only to the point that something in their life dies. And I'm not just talking about the death of a person. I'm talking about the death of a marriage, a relationship, a family tie, a dream, the hope of an unsaved loved one. Anything in your life you think is impossible to fix, change, or restore, we trust God until it appears by our limitations to be dead. So I love what Jesus says. In the next verse, it says, overhearing what they said, he told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Just believe, believe that it's possible. Now, this isn't just positive thinking, right? This isn't just a change of, of thinking. This is a spiritual framework by what, we, by what we understand is possible. It's shifting the entire fabric and framework of how we understand God's reality. It's a spiritual thing, believe. I love what the father says in Mark chapter 9, asking Jesus to heal. He says, help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my own unbelief. So Jesus arrives at the house and he takes a couple of the disciples with him, the inner circle, right? Peter, James, and John. Jesus has got a few guys that he invests a little bit extra time into than the rest. And he brings them in, into the house and, and he sees the people wailing and crying. He says, why are you crying? She's not dead, she's just asleep, and they laugh at him. And so he puts them all out of the house. He takes her parents and he takes the disciples in. And it says this in verse 41, he took her by the hand, he took the girl by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. And at this they were completely astonished. Human despair was God's opportunity. Because in that moment, Jesus revealed for the first time in Mark that he was Lord over life and death. You know, it's fitting that, that the God who created life even before sin and death entered the world should be master over life and death. Right? So what does this mean for you and me? What we think is dead, what we think is done, what we think is hopeless, what we think has reached its end, what we think it's too late it's not too late for God. It's not done. It's not over. Just believe. 
That's what Jesus requires. So look at your marriage and just believe. Look at that relationship, just believe. Look at your job loss, just believe. Look at, you, look at what you've lost and believe. Look at your sickness and believe. Look at, look at where you've lost hope and believe. Look at that dead dream and believe. Look at where you think it's too late, it's too far gone, it's done. And believe. The one condition of God's working is that we trust him. So we have faith. Jesus, I believe, allowed this death to happen so that he could show us that nothing is too dead or too far gone for us. It's never too late. It's never too late. You know, we're going to take communion together. So I'm going to ask you to go grab those communion elements if you got them prepared. We're going to grab them in the room. You know, Mark, I think as we've been going through Mark, has been a little less uh, practical and a little bit more spiritual because I think there needs to be some reviving in our spiritual faith. I I love looking through the stories of Jesus because it does something in me when I see what, what Jesus can accomplish. Do, we, do you know that Jesus is still alive? That he's not dead? That he died on the cross and he rose again and he ascended into heaven? He is still alive. It's what we believe. We don't believe he was a teacher that, that taught long ago and we're still using his teaching as inspiration for today, although we're still using his teaching as inspiration today. But we believe he's still alive. And because he's still alive, we can have hope for today. We can have hope for our future. We can have hope that regardless of what we face on this side of life, eternity is in view. Eternity awaits. That we will close our eyes on this side and we will open our eyes on that side to the Heavenly Father, to Jesus standing before us. And so we take communion together as a way to remember, to remember that it's not too late. It's never too late. The Bible says a couple things with regards to communion. It says, number one, it says that when we take communion, we need to make sure we take it in a way that is not unworthy of it. So I just want us to take a moment. Maybe you've got those elements prepared, you know, in the room. Can we just pause for maybe 30 seconds? And let's just make sure there's nothing in our lives, sin in our lives, that would make us unworthy and reap judgment upon ourselves because we take communion in an unworthy manner. So can you just pause, make it right with God right now. Maybe you're here and you're listening, you're watching online today and you're new and this is all new to you. This is an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus. This is your moment to say, okay, I'm gonna commit to you, Jesus. I really, I, 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 I'm not sure about the future, but I'm sure about you today. All you need to do is bow, bow your head, confess your sin, receive his forgiveness and make him Lord of your life. So let's bow our heads for 30 seconds together and let's just ask God and be right, made right with God. Thank you, God. Jesus. Lord, we confess our sin and we ask for you to forgive us. Make us new. Maybe there's some death in us. Maybe there's parts of us where we say it's too late. It's never too late for you. So in the name of Jesus, would you bring to life 
our spirit, forgive our sin, cleanse us, revive us. In Jesus' name. Second thing the Bible teaches us about communion is that when we remember communion together, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. I love that. First of all, we are proclaiming that he died and rose again. Second of all is that he's coming back. He's coming back. And the Bible teaches us, we could do a whole teaching on this. The Bible teaches that it could happen at any moment. It could happen right now. It could happen right now. It could happen the moment the service is done. We don't know. But the Bible tells us to be ready. And so we take communion as a way to remember, to ready ourselves until he returns. So if you got some bread, we got, some, we got wafers in the room. Just take that and let's remember his body given for us as a sacrifice for our sins. Remember together. Thank you, Lord, for the life you gave for us. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for us in Jesus' name. We take the cup, we take the juice. And this is a way of remembering his blood that covers all sin, all sin, the past, the present, the future. He's the perfect sacrifice. So we take the juice, we take the cup, and we remember his blood that was shed. Would you remember together today? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the sacrifice you made. We thank you for the life, for the teaching. Thank you for your life given. We thank you that you died for our sin, but then you rose and you conquered death. But because of what you did on the cross, all of our sin has been atoned for. We are made right with you. We are made right before God. And we can enter into eternity knowing that our sins are covered, that we're forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to remember today, Lord through this story that you can revive the things that are dead. Not only with your power, God, and your presence are you able to touch the things in our life that we see as too far gone, too late, or done. That relationship, that dream, that job, that hope, that you can restore those things, God, but you show us by your death and your resurrection that our very lives will be resurrected in the end. That death is not the end. That death is not the end. But life awaits us. It's never too late. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. We thank you that we can gather together even though it's different, but I pray that your presence in this room would fill every home, God. Every person that tunes in, whether it's in a, in a living room, a kitchen, God, a bedroom, a, maybe someone's in a car, maybe someone's listening on the podcast, maybe someone's listening on the radio. Would you allow your presence, God, Fill those spaces in Jesus' name. Amen. Just believe it's never too late for God. It's never too late. Never too late. Just type that down, right down. It's never too late. Listen, we love you. We're thankful for you. If you're looking for some next steps, say, hey, what's the next step for me? Weareparkway.com slash next steps. If you're new, you can fill out the connect card online there. If you're looking for life groups, you can find life groups there. If you're looking how to get involved, if you want to be baptized, like, do you know what? Maybe this isn't the best season to be baptized, but 
someone's wanting to be pub- publicly display their faith through, the, through water baptism, let's do it. You know, we'll go to the water. How cool would it be to go to the river and do it? I don't know where we'd do it. I don't know how we'd do it, but we'll do it before it's too cold. Even if it's a little cold, let's just do it. So if you're thinking about baptism, fill out that form. We'll figure it out because we want you to take your next step. We are parkway.com slash next steps. If you have any questions, let us know. September 20th, outdoor service. Um, this Wednesday, prayer service. It's never too late for God. Bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.